good friends, Clint, Crystal, sweet, sweet Amelia, came over to our house to play yesterday. And, uh, you know, let me speak to the husbands in here. I, look, give me a minute or two to, to speak to my, to my brethren on this, all right? Husbands, they say go find a good wife, right? That's what they tell us, right? And we go out and we try to find the most compatible um, woman that we can find. And, you know, they say go find the one that's right for you. And so that's what we go looking for. And when we find that special someone, uh, you know, we ask them things. We want to get to know them. And we say, you know, tell us about, t- tell me about yourself. And, and what do they say? What do they say? Oh, I, uh, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Isn't that what they say? I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. And so what do we say? We say, okay, uh, that's enough. I guess we're getting married, right? You, you get married, you, you, you bring your, your, your wife to church, and uh, everybody's like, oh, wife is so sweet. Wife is so kind. She's so nice. She's so wonderful. And, and even they'll, sometimes they'll say jokes that kind of, you know, they'll say like, man, you know, I, I can't believe you got with this guy, you know. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I'm a good catch too, right? My point is, is this, we know the truth, husbands, we know the truth, don't we? We know the truth, and you know when we find out the truth about our spouse? During board game night. <laughs> That's when we find out the truth. You see, we, we don't know much about our wife. We don't play board games until we get married. By that point, we're locked in, right? So we're, board game night, when the truth comes out, and the truth is this. They're ravenous wolves. They're ravenous wolves. Clinton and Crystal came over, and Clinton knew who he was bringing over to my house because Crystal is amazing at Catan. And uh, <laughs> I remember last night I was sitting there with my little one, my one little ewe lamb, my one little sheep card, and Crystal has 50 cards. Clinton and I are trying to, uh, we're trying to trade with just two or three cards among each other. We're doing nothing. You know, Chris has 50 cards, and she rolls a seven so she can put the robber anywhere, right? And she looks over throughout the vast landscape, pro-monopolist crystal, the vast landscape, and she sees me in my one little settlement with my wheat, and she puts it right there, and the robber stays there for the rest of the night, doesn't it? <laughs> my only chance of winning. She laughs jolly and evil, wiggles her hands, and she says, I wonder what card I'm going to get. She took my one little you like, she's the woman, y'all. She's the woman. And guess what? My wife, my wife is back there probably smiling uh, because she's no different. <laughs> Clinton, you, had, you, you, you don't have an excuse. You knew who you were bringing to the table. My wife told her she never played before, didn't she? She did. Come to find out, y'all, I brought Michael Myers to the table. And uh, that, that was it. But my point is this. Last night was such great Christian fun. It was, it was wonderful Christian fellowship. And if you haven't had Christian fellowship in some time, I advise that you do. Because when we consider Christian fellowship, it's something that's very integral to this idea of what's called the new creation community. And in this new creation community, which we call the, the church, this, uh, this new organism that Jesus is creating as he's taking out our old self and putting in a new self for each of us who are a part of this community. Uh, There's this idea that he 
brings, with, uh, brings in his teachings where he says, hey, you must follow God. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Following God's example. Next slide, please. We see this phrase used in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly uh, loved children and walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Next slide, please. If we want to understand this phrase and what it means, we need to look at what it's sandwiched in between. By looking at what comes before and what comes after, and y'all know me, I'm a... Uh, <laughs> if you're in my college class, you know I'm always talking about context. And we're looking at a lot of scriptures about what comes before and what comes after. And that's what I want us to do today. We'll just have a very simplified uh, sermon where we're going to be trying to figure out what exactly does that phrase mean to me according to what it meant to the Christians in Ephesus. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, and you can drop down to verse 25, Ephesians 4:25. Now the context here concerns the new creation. God is taking us out of Gentile living, where he's taking Ephesians out of Gentile living. And he's pretty much saying, when you were living as a Gentile, your thinking was useless, you were ignorant of God's will, you were separated from God's life, you had hardness of heart. You had callousness towards sin. You were gratifying yourself with sensual pleasures. You had an indulgence on impure things and greed. But as we look towards this new creation community, the community in which we get that expression, follow God's example, we see that Jesus teaches us that we must get rid of Gentile living. We must put off our old ways and adopt a new way of living. We need to be made new in our minds and new in ourselves in this new creation community called the church. And so we come to Ephesians 4, 25 through chapter 5 and verse 2. But let's look at 25 through 30. We have challenges and blessings in this new community. And the first challenge and blessing is this idea of living a new life and not our old life. If you would, please read with me. Ephesians 4, 25 through 30. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the, de to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have uh, something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In this passage, we see several ideas. One is don't lie, but speak the truth. Notice that it mentions neighbor. And when it mentions neighbor, it's, it's especially talking about fellow believers in the new creation community. The responsibility here for all Christians is to keep authentic, real relationships with those who are a part of the church. This requires us, whenever we get upset, to have self-control. Scripture says here, be angry and don't sin. The implication is that there are times in which it is okay to be angry if we have a valid and just reason. But at all times, we need to be in control and don't let, and let anger go with time. Don't hold on to anger. Why? Because Satan uses anger to do what? To destroy the Christian community. 
We see this idea of stop stealing, but work to help others. Poor or rich, don't take your neighbor's things. Instead, work for yourself, but not just for yourself. You work for yourself, but you also work for those who need you. Now, something needs to be said here. The church is not a glorified welfare state. Because the same person who wrote these things is the same person who would go on to say, to a, would say to another church, the man who doesn't work is the same man who shouldn't eat. The idea there is that if a man is not trying to put forth effort to take care of himself, well, then the church, uh, there's something that we need to do about that. We can't just be a glorified welfare state. That said, the clear principle here is that although the church isn't a glorified welfare state, the church is a, glorified, is a godly safety net. Why? Because there are those among us who need, who need, and we should be there for them. And if a person is stealing, how is he going to be able to, to take care of other people? We also see this idea of stop having unwholesome conversations, but instead build up one another. In some translations, this idea of, un, of unwholesome talks uh, is translated filthy talks. And I think sometimes we get the idea that that's just talking about nasty jokes, and it's, and it's a little bit more than that. This idea of unwholesome talks are conversations that are putting other people down. And instead of having those kind of conversations, what do we need to be doing? We need to be finding ways to speak positively, especially about those who are a part of our Christian community. And why is all this important? Because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit, as Jim Drachenberg brought out one, one day during college class, God's Spirit is vulnerable. And what I mean by this is God's Spirit can be hurt or brought to sorrow by our sins. And God's, uh, and the Spirit's hurt is whenever he's lifting up his children, but his children are rebelling against his care. And all these teachings that God gives the Christian community is for their betterment. It's because God cares for them. But I want to say something here about this idea of, of God's sorrow. Divine sorrow is the beginning of divine wrath. And that's the main point here. Divine sorrow is the beginning of divine wrath. Divine justice is first terribly hurt and then filled with divine anger, which leads to divine judgment. Look at our second point. In this Christian community, in this new creation community, there are bad and good habits. If you would, please read with me verses 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Bitterness and rage are internal attitudes which give way to fighting and brawling, which are external actions. Bitterness is the idea of growing resentment as our hearts hurt and get hardened toward our fellow neighbor, our fellow Christian. Rage and anger are those deep-seated feelings that come out whenever we vent about our hurt or uh, when we allow our bitterness to grow. Fighting and brawling suggests yelling and screaming or something that, that triggers us to erupt in bad tempers. And you notice what some of the end results are according to this passage. Slander and malice. The idea we begin broadcasting, if you will, our frustration, spreading rumors, caring nothing about the truth, just to get over on somebody, just to get even, uh, wanting to hurt somebody so mad that so bad that we throw out reason and logic and we have no desire to reconcile. 
Instead of doing those things, what does God say to do? Have kindness and compassion. Forgive. Forgiveness, kindness and compassion. Be humble and gentle and patient. Like who? Like Jesus. When hurt, kindness and compassion seeks reconciliation and harmony and peace. It compromises and proceeds from a tender heart caring about others. In grace, kindness and compassion gives preference to the other person, even if the other person may not necessarily deserve it. That's grace. And in mercy, it withholds wrath. The other person may justifiably deserve. These are the things that make up this idea of, uh, of being a part of this new community, of which the teaching is follow God's example. Then we come to verses five, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. The supreme ethic in the Christian community is love. It is the supreme good. If you would, please read with me. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Imitating our God is very important. And this is where we see that phrase, follow God's example. Christians in the new community, the new creation community, can love one another in spite of our finite, our frail, our undeserving natures. Why? Because we experience genuine love from God in Christ. Our relationships must show love by imitating God's love. And who is our model? Jesus himself. Christ's love was sacrificial, not just for friends and families, but also for who? For foes. Christ's love was willing to bite the bullet. And in some sense, his love was willing to be mistreated in efforts to show the extent of God's love. And God considers this kind of love to be what? A sweet, sweet smell. Like sweet, sweet Amelia. A sweet, sweet smell. When we look at this idea of following God's example, we have to understand that it's fit in this context of the challenges and blessings in the new community. Matter of fact, when we look at that uh, passage, 5, 1 through 2, we see the therefore pretty much saying, follow God's example is the conclusion of all this other stuff that I've been arguing leading up to this point. But there's a little bit more that follows afterwards. And I would like for us to turn there. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 3 through 20. I'm going to take a little break because I know I'm, I'm up here rambling a little bit. You might want to go get some popcorn. Uh, <laughs> and a drink. In addition to challenges and blessings in the new community, this idea of following God's example is the idea of moving from darkness to light. And that's what 5, 3 through 20 is all about. Let's start at 3 and 4, deeds of darkness. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talking, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Stay away from shameful pleasures, shameful excess. You know, when, uh, when we live a life as Gentiles, you know, the worldly life is loose living. And it's loose living that's not only acceptable among the world, but it's normal. It's normal. But sanctification and shameful activities are incompatible 
in the Christian faith and in the church. You know, salvation is the idea that God has forgiven us, has justified us, has brought us into a right relationship with God. But sanctification is the idea that we are working and doing whatever we can, according to Scripture, to continue the purity process. Filtering out all those bad habits, all the darkness that we have, filtering out all of that in order to live right with God. There are three kinds of impurities that are mentioned. I tell my college students this, my college folk, I, uh, they've heard this more than once. I think most people in here probably would have enjoyed hanging around with these people. I mean, do you know, do you, do you know how much fun and how funny you have to be for God to say, hey, y'all need to calm down? <laughs> that means as a, as a community, y'all got some clowns. Y'all know how to joke. Y'all know how to party, if you will. And God says, hey, we need to calm that down. And we see this in the idea of the, of the three impurities that he mentions. One is obscenities. It refers to shameful acts like, like acting like a clown. Or foolish talking is the idea of, of just talking noise, you know. Just talking without wisdom, talking with foolishness. And then this idea of crude joking or, or dirty joking refers to vulgar conversation or jokes with uh, crude innuendos or, or double meanings. Um, you know, I said when I was, I, I was talking with some college pastors, if you will, about this not too long ago. And I had mentioned this. And my number one example, because I love The Office, but my number one example of this uh, was... Think about all those Michael Scott phrases. <laughs> How many of them have double meanings? And the, the double meaning is vulgar. And they're pretty witty, you know? But instead of living a, a life of filthiness and worldliness, we're supposed to live a life of gratitude, which is a life that filters these things out. Look at five through six, please. If we don't do this, we lose our reward as being a part of the community. Five through six. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of, disobedient, of disobedience. Don't let anyone downplay these shameful activities or these shameful things, these shameful uh, behaviors. Why? Because God's justice is going to fall on any of us who live by these things. Instead of doing this, as a matter of fact, in verse 7, what does God say? Therefore, do not become partakers with them. Don't, don't follow those who do these things. And being a partaker is, is more than just somebody who's around. Being a partaker is somebody who's, who's participating in the deeds. And it's real easy to share in these kind of deeds, isn't it? It's easy to share in, this kind of, in these kind of shameful acts, isn't it? Am I the only person who has laughed at a bad joke? I know I'm not the only person who's laughed at a bad joke. You know, I'm not the only person I was supposed in here that has told a bad joke before. But what do we get from here? Don't share in these shameful deeds. They're easy because they're fun and funny, but, but we aren't to do that. We aren't to, we aren't to produce such entertainment, and then we aren't to be entertained by such things. We, we, we shouldn't find such things enjoyable, if you will. God says... Find ways to have fun, to joke, to be silly without sinning. In speeding up this, 
8 through, four, uh, 8 through 14, we don't have to read it, but the idea is walk as God's light, show fruit of God's light, please God, avoid and expose darkness, find whatever darkness you have in you, and let God's light illuminate it. And if we are spiritually dead, we need to awaken, we need to arise, we need to be resurrected to Jesus' light. To not be foolish according to 15 and 17, but to be wise. Use every opportunity to keep the new creation community pure. This is what it means to understand. Uh, this is what it means to follow God's example. And then we come to our last part, 18 through, really it's 18 through 21. There's some debate there and some commentaries. Be that as it may, 18 through 21, where God makes it clear, don't get drunk. Don't live in debauchery. Drunkenness is sin. Debauchery is sin. Instead of being filled with alcohol and over excess and overindulgence of these various materials, be filled with the Spirit. All this means is, if I can use this phrase, be drunk off the Spirit. If you're going to be drunk off anything, be drunk off the Spirit. And when people... When, 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 when people get drunk, from my experience, they tend to, to also be around other people and party. Christians get drunk off the Spirit and be drunk with other Christians off the Spirit. By all means, live in Christian harmony and in Christian fellowship. Have fun submitting to the preferences of one another out of respect for one another. Next slide, please. When we put, these con when we put the context together, we get a clear picture of what God is saying about following God's example. And I think that this is a clear summary of it. Following God's example means living love in your Christian community and moving closer to God's light. Living love in your Christian community and moving closer to God's light. What does Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 mean following God's example? It means this. With that said, the lesson is really yours. Uh, if there's somebody here who feels like they haven't been living God's example, I would encourage you to take that between you and God. If you feel that you have a need, to, if you feel the need to, to confess that before the church, then you can come down. And if you're someone who, want to, who wants to be a part of this new creation community, the church, you've been studying and you're ready to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, then this opportunity is for you. You can also come down as together we stand and sing.